Hello, business builders. Welcome to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we interview founders of America's fastest growing companies. Our mission is to arm you with the tools and the confidence to scale your own venture. So to that end, every now and then, we gladly welcome a non-founder leader, thinker, or influencer to help you do just that. I'm Drew McClure. My co-host is Jordan Mitchell, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, friends, today I'm so excited to introduce to you my guest today. You know, when we were originally sketching out the idea for this podcast, we put together a list of dream guests. These were the group of people that I personally, I was personally inspired by and felt deeply connected to their story. We have one of those dream guests on the original list with us today, Todd Ehrlich. Todd's a lot of things. He's an entrepreneur, a mentor, a problem solver, and a Navy SEAL. He's founded several companies, including Killcliffe, BAMFI, and Factor Cloud, which he is the CEO of today. Todd leads companies that are in their early stage and focused on growth. I am so excited to get to know the man behind these achievements. Please welcome Todd. Todd, I appreciate you. you being here today, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, dude, that's like I'm probably my blushing because like I, that was kind of <laughs> – pretty nicely said there i appreciate it but. yeah man like i said that we're not bsing you you were uh literally one of the first names on the list i was like let's find a way to get in touch with this guy we had to hunt That's funny. we had to hunt to find your email to get, really? <laughs> to get in touch with you. Yeah. yeah yeah but my team is crafty and they found a way so hopefully uh hopefully that's okay Great. whatever means they use yeah. to get to get it hold on i'm, de- I'm deleting my email right now that's, that's right, right. Yeah. that's right that's right wow. uh, now, okay, so there's so many things I want to talk to you about. The, your company's growth, your time as a Navy SEAL, but really I want to talk to you about the thing I haven't heard about, which is a little bit more before that. Where did you come from? Tell me a little bit about just uh, your life growing up and how that shaped you. Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, originally, originally from San Francisco, actually. I was an Army brat. My dad was a colonel in the Army. My stepdad actually raised my, my real dad died when I was like, a little guy. Mm. Um, and then, uh, went off to college, um, at Northeastern University in Boston. Um, really, really, like I was a really average high school student, like middle of the road, really focused on high school football. Um, and I was really average in high school football too. (laughs) So so I was very average. All around a good average. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I know just solidly consistently average. And, um, and then, and then, you know, high school in college, I actually applied myself a little bit and started getting very good grades. Um, and then once I had that feeling of what gr- good grades were like, I was kind of like, well, gosh, like, man, like I, you know, and I kind of saw the way like life was like planning to roll out, you know, and play mm. out. I kind of just was like, I lost, like, I was like, that's not like a mean, like just going into business didn't seem like a hugely meaningful thing to me, like getting a job at like IBM and, and I'm a little older, like some 47. So that, you know, going to, going to college in the early nineties wasn't like, you know, what it is today, you know, it's it, where there's all these opportunities or we, at least sure. people think that way back then it was like, where are you going to get a job? You know? And it was like, what's your career going to path going to be? Um, so, uh, and I had like a little bit of an entrepreneurial streak, but, um, anyway, I, I, I was in school and I, I decided to transfer schools out to Cal Berkeley where my mom went. And, um, and, and while I was out there waiting to start classes, I, I met a Navy SEAL and that kind of changed the course of my life. And so I went from a, you know, average high school kid to a little, little above average uh, college student um, and then decided to, you know, to take that, you know, averageness and apply it to, um, 
you know, serving my country in a special way. And the, the, the crazy thing about that is um, I really probably had no business doing that at all. Right. I mean, mm. it's kind of, and clearly like when you get to seal training, you see really quickly that like almost everybody there shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I, I ended up going, uh, joining enlisting in the Navy. And um, so that was, that's kind of how it started. Well, life. hold on. That's a pretty big jump. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go from uh, feeling like an average, probably path of least resistance kind of guy to deciding you want to try to be a Navy SEAL. What in the world? What, what was the, the moment there that kind of catalyzed that for you? So, my, you know, my dad was a, a, a combat army vet, um, really great guy. And then my, my brother was a Marine jet pilot. So I had this like awareness of the military and you know, okay. having lived on military bases and all that stuff. And so I had this awareness, but I didn't want to just enlist in the military, but I thought that Navy SEALs were all like six foot five or something like that. Um, it turns out they're really like all like five foot 10, you know, and I'm <laughs> a little bit shorter. So I didn't think I was going to make it. But the, but the point is like, once I kind of got my head around like, Hey, I could, I knew I had an engine like from a, like a running perspective and from mm. an athletic perspective. So I knew I was a good runner. I grew up on a lake. So I was a good swimmer. I was like, I could probably, you know, handle that part of it, you know, which was foolish because nobody really can. And, right, right, and right. so I, yeah, and, but then, but then, you know, it was kind of like, I, did, I wasn't really excited about being in the military, but then when I thought about being a seal, I was kind of like, that's a really exciting opportunity to go live in a you know serve your country in a really special way and, and do purposeful work on a daily basis and work with incredibly talented people sure um, so so that was kind of the it was it was a there was a call to serve and you know and it was like hey look if you're gonna do it you know go go all in so the seals were kind of all in and then yeah. i thought maybe, maybe i'll go from there to like some other government agency but that you know that didn't really i didn't really love the the taste of the, the government, you know, when I, <laughs> most people, most people yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what was that kind of your personality that when you do decide to do something, you go all in, you know, to say, I'm not just going to join the Navy. I'm going to try to be a Navy SEAL. Is that, is that a pattern in your life? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Probably not exactly. It probably developed a little bit. I had to build some confidence. Um, you know, in everything, had I, you know, early on tried a little bit harder, put a little bit more effort in, really understood, like, kind of, you know, work ethic on a finer level, um, I would have probably done better earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, with that being said, you know, I, I, I felt like the SEALs just kind of had it all, you know, sea, air, and land, right? Like, you got to, right, right. You got to jump out of planes, blow, blow stuff up, and, and go hunt down bad guys. You could say that it. Blow some shit yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for up. editing. Yeah, and, and uh, um, well, trust me, by the end of this, I'll be dropping F-bombs every second. Okay. Every, every We're going to ease into it. We're going <laughs> to ease <laughs> into it. <laughs> so, um, Zero point so, entry. So, yeah, so it was like one of those things where, you know, I think – I think the, the seals just kind of like were an attractive option for me. And there wasn't very much information on seals back then. So it wasn't like, you know, like today where there's like three TV shows and a hundred books, there was like two books and right. a, one movie. And, um, and so like, it was a bigger risk. I think what it really is, I'm a bigger risk taker. Uh, you know, I can get comfortable with um, uncertainty more easily than most people can. Mm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you said, the Navy SEALs, rightfully so, but they've gotten uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of self awareness around it. Um, so uh, it's almost become like the, a mythological thing. We're like, oh, you, you kind of heard rumors about Hell Week and you've heard rumors about Buds and, you know, those kinds of things, um, which that could be a whole separate conversation. But I'm most interested at this point, like, what did it do for you? What did going through the whole process of trying, maybe failing, I don't know if, you've, if you had to do it multiple times, but like making it through that experience, being deployed, what, what was like, what was the transformation? I don't even know if, it, if, if transformation is the only word, but what was that experience? How did that experience impact you is maybe what I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's one of those things where like, yeah, the, the key word is like forging, right? Like it's like it forges mm, you. Right. Different, it makes you harder, tougher, all that stuff. You also are able to then kind of stratify yourself, um, you know, from a mental toughness perspective um, in a way that you couldn't before, right? So it's one thing to have like, you know, like kind of the, you know, elite education and elite this and, you know, grow up, you know, like in a wealthy family and have all these opportunities. It's another thing to like enter a training like that where they don't care where you went to college or where you grew up. They don't care about anything. You're just, you're just another dude with your name on your helmet who doesn't have a trident and they're trying to get rid of you. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a mental game. And um, you see people that should never make it, make it. And people that, um, you know, you're like, oh, that guy's a automatic, like quit, like, you know, day three. It's just kind of amazing. Wow. Um, the, the spectrum of mental toughness that you, uh, you kind of, so when you kind of see that spectrum of mental toughness and you're like, okay, I'm at the upper end of that, um, then that kind of like resets some things in your mind. Yeah. You start thinking a little bit differently and you're like, okay, well maybe I am special in a way, you know, I have, yeah. I have a, I have a defined skill set that's a little bit different and, and did, I know, you cut, and I've been, did that get revealed as already being there or did you have to work on improving your mental toughness through that, that process? Um, you know, I, I don't, I think, I think, uh, I think I had a certain amount of mental toughness, uh, going into it. I think that it just kind of like helped, you know, crystallize it for me where I kind of understood that I was mentally tough yeah. and that, you know, uh, more than that, more so than I thought. Um, yeah. so can you share with us? Can you share with us just a little bit, if it, if it's easy for you to remember, but maybe uh, take us inside your mind, going through the kind of challenges they put you through. Because I know the whole idea is basically to to break your body to reveal your mind, right? To like mm-hmm. to to wear you down to see what you're made of. What was it like for you internally? Like how like you versus somebody, a nameless person, you know, just the the people that didn't make it. What do you think? was going on that helped you internally in processing the pain or breaking it, uh, you know, breaking it down into segments or, uh, can you take me into some of that? Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's a good question. I think there's a few, there's a few points there. So one is there are certain people that are very easily offended and, um, you know, the instructors get incredibly personally offensive to you, you know, during the training and they're looking to push your buttons and if you let that get to you, both they're doing it like both from a macro and a micro level. So they're, they're intentionally going after you as a person and then mm. they're going after the whole class. 
And I mean, they're saying like, you know, what can be incredibly cruel things um, in a normal circumstance, uh, like in, in buds, it's just how they talk to you. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so some people get uh, incredibly offended by that stuff and that sets them off and they're not going to take me right yeah, yeah. Here. you know so you see some of that um and then there's the you know just the sheer volume of um stuff you have to do to stay in that like some people can't keep up with that cadence and tempo of like hey you got a room inspection first thing in the morning so you got to spend like four hours at night cleaning your room and you know just kind of like it sounds stupid but like all these things add up and they're made to wear you down or or the fact that you just got to run six miles a day to go eat you know yeah. what I mean? You go, yeah, yeah. so from the, from the barracks to the chow hall, it's a mile each way or, you know, from the classrooms to the chow hall, it's a mile. Right. So it's, it's like, you're just running constantly. So there's just all this physical wear and tear and mental wear and tear that adds up. And it's like almost like cumulative. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Right. And then there's kind of the, you know, you know, where do you fall in the spectrum of like, I really want to make it through this. Right. Mm -hmm. So some people are just kind of more gifted and they can kind of handle some things more easily. And some people, they got to work really hard and like, how hard are you going to work to do it? I'll be honest. Like, there's a few things that I did in buds that I was like, just, it weren't really hard for me and other guys struggled with really badly. And there's some other things I had to work really hard to get through in order to graduate. So uh, on the other hand, um, there's also kind of this technique of chunking the the time and just like really like kind of being like okay i'm going from breakfast to lunch and that's all i'm not even going to think beyond that because if i think out past that then it's it's brutal i can think about it later but wow. not when i'm under this much stress right wow yeah so like so while you're in the moment it's really important to kind of chunk the time and just like be front side focused on what the next thing you have to do is so there's a lot there and there's a lot of little mind games that you play with yourself to kind of make it through yeah so what do you say to yourself let's say it's middle of the night you're having to run you're 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 exhausted uh what is that internal chatter like and does it mimic have you found any of this mimicking moments in business where you might feel worn down you might feel like up against the wall are, are any of those um similar um, you know, th to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember a lot of those internal conversations because of exhaustion probably. Wow. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that I do remember just kind of being like, okay, this will be over in probably, you know, a few hours and then I'll get some rest or, you know, if it was hell week, you know, it's not going to be over for a while, but I'm like in a few hours, they'll feed us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I know that <laughs> they have really to feed good. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have to feed us or we'll die. And right. so, um, you know, so it was like one of those things where, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I always kind of just was like, I just got to get to the next thing or whatever, or support my buddy or help somebody or whatever, you know, so it was kind of that, you know, it's that kind of stuff, but it, I wasn't really also thinking about myself a lot. I, I don't believe, I think I was thinking about like, just what had to get done and, and compartmentalizing my own, you know, needs and wants. It's just not important at that time. Interesting. Like warmth, warmth, that doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? I, I think it's like one of those things you just kind of go to a little bit of a different place and you exist there for a while and yeah. you don't let the stuff get to you because there's a clash of, this isn't like, it's when you're, when you're going through that stuff, it's not like you're a civilian, you know what I mean? Like you're not like civilian life is like so different. I can't even explain it. Um, 
So you have to like embrace like, Hey, this is what I signed up for. I'm just going to do it. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to complain. Like, like you want to meet the most hated guy in like seal training, find a complainer. Everybody hates that guy. (laughs) Like if the dude complains about it, you're just like, really dude? Like, like we want to hear you complaining right now. Like get the hell out of here. And they usually don't last, you know, usually quit. Sure. What I'm kind of curious about is, um, is just so training programs, right? So everybody has a good training program, but most people critique training programs of like, well, it's not the, the real life. There's everything after the training program. That's like, that's what you really learn when you really get on the job. And so you're thinking about, you know, business training program, well, you know, seal training probably, it, it probably is the most famous training that, that we have here in the States um, in terms of getting people prepared. It's the right? best in the world. Come on. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That's it. I, I was very honorable to the rest of the world for just a moment. But yeah, yes, no, no, no. We are Americans and we believe we're the best and we probably yeah. are. We're the best. <laughs> so that's hilarious. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious about, hey, the best training in the world, what, what can't they prepare you for on the back end of it that you, you learn kind of on the job, if you will? Hmm. What's, what's after that? Yeah, I mean, so you don't like, so, so, they say that buds training is really kind of like the you know physical training regime for you know the rest of everything else but what it really is is it's a boot camp that gets you super disciplined to take on what are incredibly technical tasks after that that are specific, you know they're really weeding out like irresponsible people they're really weeding out people that don't work on a team they're they're really weeding out you know the self-centered and uh and the complainers and just they're 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 in and what they're left with are like just people that execute right and and it and you know kind of to draw it back to the entrepreneur thing is good good seals and entrepreneurs are kind of similar they execute right like they're not like sitting there dreaming about oh wouldn't it be cool if i was a seal no they're actually a seal and they're doing shit they went through all the crap to get there and they did it so i think that that's like it's Mm. one of those things where ultimately you're just you're it's a weeding out process and and then at the same time you're forging these guys that they know that they're super mission oriented that they have stuff they have to get done and that they just it doesn't matter how many hours it takes they just get everything done yeah it makes total sense that was actually one of our questions is we we just have noticed the trend it seems like at least from from a civilian it seems like there's a trend of navy seals and entrepreneurship being interconnected yeah, that I, I think it's a really close Venn diagram of personality types for the most part. Mm. That and a you lot think it's of, that bias towards action that like, yeah, we have, yeah. we have an idea. We actually act on it, see it through, you yeah. know, complete the necessary steps. Well, and there's this little piece where, you know, seals are really small units and, you know, and then sometimes they're broken up into even smaller units. So it's, it's one of those things where you have to like kind of figure out how to do everything or almost everything. Um, and you're, you're a backup to, you know, like you're a, if you're a 60 gunner, you might be a backup to, you know, some other, you know, guy, you know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like, um, you know, or, or you're a backup 60 gunner or something, you know what I mean? So it's like one yeah. of those things where it's just like, you got to kind of do everything and be willing to do everything. Um, you know, from give yourself an IV to give your buddy an IV to, you know, shoot a machine gun to, you know, carry some other type of weapon. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, 
just just willing to do everything. You don't necessarily have to master everything. Uh, you can master a few things um, and be the guy that they call on for that. But I think it's like that that willingness to like just kind of work on anything. Yeah. Um, I, I actually believe that the trend towards super specialization isn't good. Like I think that like people should generalize more um, because it's it through, you know, being having general skills that you can solve problems in different modes. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Man, yeah, yes. I heard that. Gosh, probably heard that just a couple of years ago from a mentor. Evan Pagan was a guy I first heard it from. And he just mentioned that, that idea of like master is a really powerful thing. The 10,000 hours got, you know, is gaining tons of, tons of steam, but the reality too of the generalist is pretty powerful. And yeah. You actually have to be a little, they have mastery in the SEAL teams and hearing, but you also have the generalists where you've got to know all these roles. Very true to the, the startup and what you got to have uh, and that entrepreneurial. Well, that's good. It's really well, good. Well, it's a conversation in sports right now too, where they're talking about looking back at like high school and junior sports where the, the, the advice had always been like, you got to pick. Like I remember going into middle school and they're like, you got to pick soccer or baseball. It's one or the other. You can't, you can't keep playing both. Right. Right. And so I picked and that was always the thing. Like you can't, you know, you got to pick one because you got to specialize. And now there's a lot of evidence saying like, actually for a period of time, being a generalist is better, you know, yep. actually having the, the, even avoiding burnout uh, is yep. a big one. Uh, and I wonder if it's order, you know, I feel like it's great to start as a generalist and move towards a specialist, especially in business um, yep. versus starting as a specialist and never almost having glaring weaknesses right where you don't know how to do something or pass it off or instruct somebody in it uh so that's that's fascinating uh, well so tell yeah, me this i mean it's kind of like it's it, it, being a generalist is kind of like you know you don't want to be the the dude who works out you know just your upper body and then you get right. the legs you know what i mean like you kind of got to be well-rounded and if you look at that like, there's a story about roger federer and he played everything until like i don't know some point in high school and he mm. started focusing just on tennis um and, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things where SEALs are great because they, they can literally do everything, right? They'll do everything. Like, even the officers do everything. And they're wow. the most well-rounded people um, in so many ways. And so, like, and that, again, applies entrepreneurship. And, like, you got to be willing to do everything. Like, I, I hate keeping financials, right? Like, I, I, it's not my thing. I, I can do it, though. I've done it. You know what I mean? I yeah, can, yeah. I can, I can enter all the transactions. I just don't want to do that. Right. Right. Um, with that being said, if I had to, I would, you know, I can make sales I, calls, you know, I can do all those things that are painful, but you know, it's, it's, so it, I think seals are just kind of, it's easier for us to get our head around like, Hey, I got all this shit to do. And then, and then there's another part of that, which is, you know, there's people so easily quit on stuff from a, from the perspective of, Oh, we couldn't figure out how to do this. Right. Yeah. 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 And like, okay there's not that is not impossible there's a way to do it you just gotta keep trying to figure it out right yeah so that's kind of like seals have that um and i think a lot of military guys do but there's there's a way you will figure out how to do something where other people might just like give up on something yeah yeah you're not quick to, you're not quick to go to impossible I'm, i right. imagine you've been put through so many scenarios and forced to have critical problem solving moments so you're like i bet if we if we look at this long enough we'll figure this out Right. And then the second thing it feels like too, just a mental toughness, but also what you're, you're, you're telling me is you guys seem to uh, learn how to minimize the suck. And what I mean by that is 
a lot of a lot of people, sometimes myself included, we like to ruminate on the suckiness of whatever we're going through, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, and you just keep you almost like you just fixate on the on the discomfort, and you fixate and almost make it worse. You know, you make it mm-hmm. grow. Versus you mentioned while you were there, you almost compartmentalize that, like. Mm-hmm. I don't even have time to think about this. Like it just is what it is. And I'm just going to do it. Um, is, does that Horrible. feel true? Is that an accurate? It's, it's, it's part that it's part um, embracing the suck. Right. So it's hmm. part like, like I'll never forget there. I told the story the other day that um, this guy who ended up uh, having an incredible seal career was my boat crew leader in first phase. And we were going out like getting crushed by waves and in, in 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 an evolution called surf passage, which is like, really you're not getting past the waves most of the time uh, on certain days. Some days it's easy. You just go out there, you power right through. Some days it's like, it's just a, it's just a yard sale of people <laughs> and, and all, and all kinds of crap. And so, um, you know, in, in the guy we're, we're going out and he was just saying, he was like, you know, people pay money to do this. People pay money to like paddle around in little boats and stuff like that we should be having a great time out here. And we had a great time. We've made it through the surf zone. Right. So the point is like, it's just kind of how you think about things. Yep. I recently had an experience in business that was really harrowing. And, you know, if you're in business long enough, you have a lot of like kind of your business faces like near death experiences. And we had one of those, you know, I don't know, like 12 months ago or something like that. And it was scary, you know, and I was like, Hey, there is no easy way through this. There is no path forward that doesn't completely suck right Mm -hmm. like i called it the valley of death we have to pass through it right and we're just gonna grin and bear it and and then i started making jokes about it called it the valley tears you know like on our way we have a (laughs) one-way ticket to like cry yourself to bedville you know like it was like like one of those things where you know you just it was just kind of like i told my team i was like listen guys we're going to grin and bear it. We're going to do this with everything. Like we're getting paid so much money to, to handle this terrible situation and we'll be better because of it. Wow. We'll be better people when it's over because we went through this experience, you know, and, and like, it's hard to see how a bad experience can be a great experience. One of the best experiences of my business career, you know, if you, you know, just look at it for like kind of face value of like, Hey, this just sucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah. like, like, like I went through so many of those different things in, in different businesses and in, in buds and everything else. Like it's, it's really a, a mind frame yeah. of how you approach challenging problems. Right? And that's what so, I want to get into. Go ahead, Jordan. I'm just thinking about how much time he likely saved. I, I don't think you quantify it because you made your decision and you've pushed through and you've probably done it. But I'm thinking about all the other people that we've coached or talked to who we're having to coach through like, Hey, you just need to go straight through that. Like exactly. walk through your Valley of death, but you try to go around or you try to go over it or you try to figure out how can I build a bridge and all these other ways where you're like, ah, you can just save a lot of time. If you just embraced the they go on a bear hunt, they always, yeah. I, I don't know if you have kids, but every night I would have to, I would sing them the going on a bear hunt song. And it started being this lesson that like kept coming up again and again with clients. I'm like, Listen, man, you got to the river. You can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it. You just got to go through it, which is the refrain of the going on a bear hunt song. Uh, and like, you just waste time all the time trying to think about a way around yep. it. All the time trying to think how to minimize it. If you just did it, you'd be through right. it already. Um, so here's, here's what I'd love to dive into. Um, it's kind of business. 
where you will have a near death experience. Right. Uh, and that's just helpful yeah. to know. Like when you hit there that there's, this is, this is part of the map and it's okay and you can survive it. Uh, but let's go back to your, the beginning, almost at the beginning of any company you've started, but also at your beginning when you leave the Navy and you start cutting your teeth in business. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. What was the first company you started? Was it Killcliffe? Was there something before that? Uh, and, and, and any lessons learned there? Yeah, so when I got out of the Navy, I, I bounced around a little bit uh, in a, a few different kind of financial services jobs. And then I got hired. And then, and then I went into um, a security position at a company in, in New York City. And um, there was actually a guy from that company on, on the news yesterday. It's called Kroll. And uh, so Kroll put me on a job for uh, a company called United Rentals. And I reported directly to the CEO. And he hired me uh, after a few months of working for him. And, and, uh, and he ended up becoming a mentor to me. Um, mm. and so I, I stayed uh, working with him for seven years. And after about three and a half years at, his, at, at United Reynolds, he moved me over to his family office where I ended up working in private equity, um, and looking at private equity deals kind of, you know, every day for a few years. And then one day, um, this guy called and said, Hey, I got I want to offer you a CEO job down here in Atlanta. And I was like, okay, like I'm a two-time college dropout. I'm working in, you know, like total imposter syndrome and private yeah, equity. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but I'm learning a lot and it's fun. And I think I'm giving my boss really good advice that's saving him or making him a ton of money. And, uh, so, and, and I had a good relationship with him, but I was like, how many times is it, is it two-time college dropout going to get to go, you know, be the CEO of a startup. So I took the job, um, and I moved down here and it was a, uh, it was a technology company for managing, uh, mortgage orders, uh, and kind of processing mortgages. Um, okay. and, and then, uh, and, you know, hit a few, hit a few near death experiences with that, but, uh, started like a sister company to kind of like fund the growth and, and, uh, built it, you know, both those companies up to about uh, 10 million in revenue. And then while I was doing that, um, I saw an opportunity in the market um, in the appraisal management space. So when you know, real estate companies or, 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 or mortgage companies, you know, like go to close a deal, they order an appraisal, right? right? So on, a, on residential. So um, there was a, some systemic problems in that space where people weren't getting paid on time, like the appraisers actually do all the work. So I was like, if I could start an appraisal management company that like paid people, like they're my employees, it might do really well, you know? And um, because I would embrace those folks as like our team, you know? Yeah. And so now that company, uh, called TriServe, you know, it's one of the, you know, about 10th biggest in the country. Um, it's been around for 11 years. First company I started, it's profitable. Um, wow. th- those, those folks, you know, that, those, that team, so to speak, that we pay every two weeks, it's like 6,000 people. Now they're not our employees. But right. they're appraisers who work for us. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, 6,000 people who are like happy that we're, you know, paying them like in a fair way and in the right amount. Um, and so that business just keeps growing because we embraced basically my three point business plan, which was pay the appraisers a fair amount and on time every two weeks. Most people were stretching these guys out for 60 days. 
So the, so the appraisers had cash flow problems, right? Yep. So I was like, yep. we pay them every two weeks. And so that takes a tremendous amount of working capital to like keep paying them like that. So that meant we had to reinvest everything back in and have this constant cash cushion, which we is, is, you know, more than 10 X, you know, what we ever planned on having, um, you know, that we, continue to pay these guys with and then to build our own system so we could constantly improve on a weekly basis and keep getting better and better as a business. Mm. So, um, so that was, I started that on the side. Well, hold on. That was two. I'm taking notes. What's the third, the third, the three point system, the third one. Oh, um, so build our own. Well, so it was, it was pay the guys, build our own system and then have the cash, uh, save the cash. Got it. So so make sure we had enough free cash flow. Gotcha. Our, our working capital, our, our own working capital. So we weren't in debt. So, um, so that, that company, uh, and so I was the CEO of the company I was running and I recruited two guys to work for free to run TriServe and, um, for a year, they worked for free for a year. So that was their, you know, investment, their time for a year. And, uh, and now they're, you know, my partners and, and you know it's it's a great story. You know they they treated it uh, like grownups, and I treated it like a grownup, and we have a wonderful relationship and a wonderful wow. business, and it's awesome. I mean, it's like it's pretty amazing, actually, that business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't. Even, I don't think you knew I had that one. No, I didn't. So, uh-uh. yeah. That's why. I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> a little yeah. surprise. This is a big surprise. <laughs> Love that one. How did you solve that issue? I'm just curious. How did you solve that issue of finding enough working capital to continually pay them every two weeks uh, on time, like you said? So we started with um, just a small amount of cash, $25,000. And we just kept working that working capital through um, the system. And we didn't spend anything. Mm. And so those two guys, you know, who were doing most of the work didn't, you know, didn't do, um, you know, didn't take a paycheck for 12 months. So that's how we did it, right? We didn't pay ourselves. We paid it into the business. We didn't take any money out. It was actually profitable. I think after the first year, Mm. um, you know, minus the, you know, unpaid, you know, uh, wages salary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was profitable pretty early and they were really frugal. They were really good. They were really good. Um, so, you know, it was just one of those things. We just kept recycling that 25000 over and over and over again until, you know, it just started spitting off cash. You know, there was just enough free cash flow. We're like, we, and we kept reinvesting. Even when we had a bunch of profit, we kept reinvesting the system and the team and everything. We never got extravagant. We just um, just held, held the money. And, and I, I, as the CEO of the company I'd mentioned earlier, my investor who owned like 80% of the company really got in my, you know, in my kitchen and started like telling me how to do stuff. And I was like, dude, like I got this, man. Just let you let me run here. We'll be fine. I already built a profitable company. Like let me keep building it. And, and so I kind of always bristled when he would kind of tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so with this guy who was running the TriServe, I, even though I have the control position in that business, I, and he knows it, right. I never told him what to do. I never controlled him. Yeah. And it was for emergency purposes only. Yeah. And we have, we have actually today, we have almost the same amount of stock. I think I have actually two shares more than he does. Wow. Um, so that, that was his reward for being so awesome was kind of having an equal share to me. Um, and then, 
and then the other guy has a you know a nice chunk too. So I never told him what to do, you know. Yeah. But he would call me and ask me like, "Hey, how do I solve this problem?" And I'd be like, "Well, try to do this." And so that led to some of our best innovations, right? When he hit a when he hit a log jam that he just couldn't get past, you know, the team would call and be like, "Hey, we." We're, we ran into this problem, you know, what do you think we should do? And I'd be like, have you tried doing it like this? And like, we didn't think of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're like, go do it. And it's just because, like, again, my generalist background, I'm like, you know, hey, well, like, like a good example is the way most appraisal management companies run is they have these staff appraisal appraisers who do reviews. And they just get a salary and they sit there and do some reviews. And so the average cost of, a, you know, to do a review is really high, like call it I don't know, 30 bucks or something like that in a normal right. company. And, and they're like, hey, you know, we're, how do we do this so we can make sure these, uh, you know, appraisals get reviewed properly and all stuff? I was like, do it with a, a commission. Every time an appraiser does a review, they get a little commission. So they're always looking to do more reviews instead of doing as few as possible. Right. right? They're incentivized. So, yeah, they're completely incentivized, and they're and then they actually actually end up becoming habituated to doing more, because they're like, oh, I need an extra fifty bucks. I'm gonna do uh, you know, five <laughs> more reviews today, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and power through them, and we have no review problems. So it's kind of like they still have to do the review right because it's like they'll lose their license if they don't. So um, so anyway, it was like little things like that that made us more profitable. And, you know, made the team love the business more because they got paid more. Sure. You know, so sure. we just kind of paid every, my old boss, the guy who mentored me used to say, he's like, you know, money's like shit. You spread it around, things grow, you know? Mm. And so that, that's kind of true. If you're sitting there hoarding everything for yourself all the time and you don't pay your people or you don't give them opportunities to earn more, they're going to look elsewhere because the, the only outlet for them to earn more is to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, another another founder that we were actually two founders that we were interviewing on the podcast built their company off the same thing at the beginning. They were in um, in, in selling insurance, and mm -hmm. um, basically we're like, man, the 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 way people have been approaching this is a win lose model, you know. Yeah. And we what if we what if we started a company and we we made from top to bottom this a win win model where people are equally incentivized as you know the founders win and so the people. And then right. even the people below them, they're incentivized for them to grow and to elevate versus almost trying to keep them down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, again, this is a common theme already coming out of this podcast is you guys just think so much differently. You're not in this scarcity mindset. You're not yeah. in the hoard and survive and just take what's mine. Uh, but you, like you said, you spread it around and you kind of trust even that idea of giving yourself a year or longer to let the cash flow build and, and, and get ahead so that the system could run and eventually you could make a lot of money, I'm sure. Right. Uh, but at the beginning, you had to kind of take the conservative route and you had to take the slow route. Uh, so it's uh, super cool that that keeps popping up. So tell me this, yeah. what, uh, what, what happens after this? Do you uh, stay and kind of transition to a new, do you sell, do you, do you transition to a, a different role in these companies and then go start more? you've got a kind of a serial entrepreneur uh, yeah. thing here. So what starts developing at this point? Well, it's funny. So after, so in, in November last year, we sold our lending book of business that was called Bamfi. Um, we sold it to a bank out in Utah and it was, that was a bit of a trial because our business, because of market conditions, our business was like 
shrinking. So it was really big in 2018, like, you know, $100 million size thing, you know, of, of, of loans. And it started shrinking and it went down to like 60, you know, yeah. and then we were selling it. So like when you're, when you're selling like a shrinking business, it's a little bit scary, right? Yeah. So the, the point is like, and that, it was like, it, we were just, we were heavy into transportation. The transportation market just kind of like, you know, got really soft on us. So we were selling it. And in that period of time, you know, I kind of, I've got a partner, Gary, and, you know, I, I was like really trying to figure out how do I keep this team together after we sell this business? How do I keep these great people, you know, working on new projects? And, and you know, the first employee I hired when I moved down to Atlanta is still working with me. Wow. Right? Yeah. I think, I think the third and the fifth are working with me too. Wow. Still. Yeah. That's um, crazy. It is. Yeah, it is. So, um, so I'm like, I, or it's taken me 15, you know, uh, Friday will be 15 years in Atlanta and it's taken me 15 years to, you know, develop a team like this. Um, that's so good at getting stuff done and, and, you know, really good people, they're trustworthy, you know, and like trust on a different level, you know, kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do I do next? And, and, and so when you start a company, you know, you got to put in, it's like a good five year and whether it's a great company and successful or it's a shit bag company and it's terrible, you got, <laughs> you, you got 60 months, you know, it's like, you just, you just bought this thing and you're, you're running with it. So I've done that, you know, three, you know, basically in three stages so far. So maybe like the first, you know, you know, seven years ago in the Navy, I was kind of just like a civilian or whatever. And then I did like kind of 15 years on, on top of that, of like okay. starting stuff up. Right. Yeah. So CEO startup guy for 15 years and in the last 10 years have been well since April 18 2011 have been my years where just like me starting things and and so I've done two real deals then BAM and and Killcliffe and then the TriServe thing was like I never even like really worked there I just helped those guys build it put the money in it was my idea all that stuff but like I started yeah. that that was my first startup and um so I want to do more. So I came up with this concept and what I'm good at is kind of zero to 10, right? Like kind of like, Hey, I've got an idea to this thing is profitable and we're doing like 10 million plus in revenue. Right. So okay. that's my, that's my sweet, that's your sweet spot. spot. Yeah. yeah. And, and would it be nice to sit here and run, you know, a big company where I kind of sit around, I don't have a lot of worries. It kind of runs itself and we kind of like push for 20% growth. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I've spent, you know, now 15 years in this little company space. That I know this is my domain, right? Yeah. So I know a lot about it. I know certain things that work and certain things that don't. Mm. And I've seen a lot of, you know, quote unquote entrepreneurs kind of wash out over the years and I've seen some guys be successful. I've been, you know, I've had success and I've had suboptimal results myself. And so I kind of like gathered this like encyclopedia of like do's and don'ts and, and things like that. And, and, and granted, I haven't, I haven't hit a home run, right? I've, I've been hitting singles and doubles. So um, I came up with, with this new idea that I thought was like incredibly innovative um, to, to just build a bunch of startups. And in, in like a in a studio format, um, it turns out this idea has been around for 25 years. So I didn't invent it, um, but but basically, um, in, in order <laughs> in order to do what I want to do, my partner and I have created a venture studio 
um, to take kind of startups uh, in our, in ecosystems that we run in and build them from scratch. Wow. And, and, uh, and then, and then, uh, you know, bring in entrepreneurs, uh, or recruit people to the team to, to be the entrepreneurs that run them. And we give them all the support they need. So they don't have to worry about, you know, finance and, you know, raising their first $300,000 and all that stuff. So perfect example, very senior, um, engineering executive who's really super brilliant came to me and was like, I've got this business idea I want to build. I don't have like on the engineering side, I know exactly what needs to be done. Yeah. Like all the other domains of business, I have no idea what to do. Marketing sales. Like he's like, I don't need, I don't even know where to start and I'm scared to death and I don't want to go to like a venture capitalist and have them like just give me money and then I end up with nothing left. Right, right. Which that happens a lot, right? Right. And and I was like, okay, well, you could join our venture studio. We'll give you money. We'll do all that other stuff. You focus on that product and the engineering and we'll help you get this thing off the ground and we'll do it profitably. Right? Yeah. And so is that that's an, is that an equity where, play for you guys? Like what do you get in exchange for oh, the money? Oh hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean we get so basically it works like this like the entrepreneur they come in and they have the business. We basically kind of go half and half with them. And then, and then our investors invest on top of that. And so whatever that dilution is, oh, we both oh, share okay. the dilution. Got it. Right. Yeah. Or if I invest, you know, I'm one of the investors and I get, gotcha. you know what I mean? So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, is, you know, I'm bringing, you know, a lot of the team to the, most of the team, if not all of it to the table, mm. wow. um, you know, so like we deserve a big piece of equity for that. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like if you started a business with two partners and you split it, you know, a third, a third, a third, well, yeah. that'd be great. Right. Yeah. But you know, in this case, it's like you get, you started the business with me, I get half, you get half, but my half is like, I got a team of badasses <laughs> like ready to fucking kick ass. And you're just sitting yeah. there like, I got an idea. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do a lot. <laughs> that's so, a pretty good deal. That's, yeah, a, good that's deal. a great deal. It's a great yeah. deal. Uh, uh, me, as Kevin O'Leary would say, take that deal. Take that yeah, deal. Take that deal. Tell me a little bit about the team. That just these your team of badasses, but like those. So I'm I'm still curious. I'd love to connect it to hey the SEAL team thing that you were mentioning, like the powerful small team, and yeah. this ability yet big things accomplished. Uh, I think that's an incredible concept for civilians to lean into. How are you? What do you love about your team? And even the one that you've realized is like the team for you, like there's, I'm sure there's the team for Todd versus the team that would work for somebody else based on what you're bringing to the table. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so for me, I like one of the things I've learned over the years is there are certain personality types that I don't like, I don't work really well with. Yeah. Um, so for instance, assholes, like that's not a good <laughs> fit for me. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm not like I'm the asshole free zone. Um, you know, sociopaths, not a good fit. Right. <laughs> but these people are You're very really picky. good. Yeah. Very... <laughs> I know. I know. Um, <laughs> what, what I've learned over the years is that certain, certain people are really good at infiltrating startups, certain bad people. And the reason why I say that is, you know, and they're, they're good at, you know, maybe they exist in a big company and nobody ever notices, 
but mm-hmm. they like getting into startups because, you know, it, it, it fulfills some like, you know, power play they have, or I don't know, but it's like these, these, some of these bad people just like really want to exist in the startup world where they think they could bring their expertise from the big company down to the little company mm-hmm. and like really crush it. But a lot of times it's really like, it's it's a lot of bullshit and they're not good at doing whatever. And when they get caught in that situation of, Hey, it's a startup and we all got to do everything here. Then they don't necessarily like perform very well. And so yeah. instead of actually getting the work done, they start casting shade on everybody else and like, you know, pointing fingers at other people when it's just like, no, just get the fucking work done. Yeah. Right? yeah. Just, just stop making excuses and get Great the job instead done. of just execute. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, so what we do is we screen everybody. Um, so it's like a very expensive screening process where a PhD actually spends, you know, sometimes you know, over two hours interviewing the person. Um, they take two different kinds of uh, batteries of tests. Um, you know, one is a deep psychological assessment. The other one is more like, hey, how smart are you and all that stuff. Yep. And so what we're, what we're doing is trying to figure out like fast to these people work, right? Because that's really important. Um, are they trustworthy? Are they like, are they going to fit in with our like kind of, you know, with our team and our, you know, kind of spree de corps, if yeah, you will? Yeah. Are they going to be like good guys and good gals who just want to be part of the team? Like, I don't care what their politics are. I don't care about, you know, I don't care about any, I don't even care about their education. All I care about is really like how, like how much are they going to, work within the team right? yeah, yeah, and yeah. If they're going to be like you know total cowboys you know it's kind of like the you know you can have like one dennis rodman you, you can have one of those guys but you can't have a team of them because you can't marry right. them. you know right. what i mean so right. um sorry so the point is that you know like so there's a like i've learned over the years you got to be really careful at screening up front and if you outsource yes. that to your HR department. And I, I don't like HR departments, by the way, um, because it, it puts, it just puts a layer between you and your team. And uh-huh. then they start making calls about like what you should be deciding, you know, yeah. like the CEO should be setting the culture for their business. Like that's the most important thing you can do. And if you like let your HR department set the culture, like no, no, yeah. no. Right. Like I don't want them to, I don't want them to, you know, kind of start, hijacking our culture with all these like ridiculous rules and other stuff like we're hiring good people to begin with there's like kind of you know golden rule stuff like just just be good you know don't hire assholes that you gotta like give like a thousand rules to you know what i mean so so anyway so i don't outsource that stuff i I do that internally um i don't mean not the phd stuff but she does work in our office she's kind of like our you know you know billions like uh yes wendy wendy Wendy. yeah oh yes Yeah, she's awesome. That's what that's what we do. Uh, yeah. literally, literally, some of the uh, the clients have called us the, their Wendy based off that billion show. Yeah, that's uh, funny. <laughs> it's our favorite thing to do. So it's amazing yeah. you you have one. Yeah, my Wendy's much prettier than you guys. Come on! <laughs> Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I love this that. Time, I, I've lost hope. Dang it! <laughs> oh, oh, if you don't mind, I want to ask. Uh, some of the personal side, like we said, sure. um, your your business acumen is brilliant, and we've already gleaned so much from that. But I'm curious about you. Uh, I want to know just as much about uh, you. And so, one of the questions I have is, what personally drives you? 
right? Like we're all driven by different stuff. You yeah. know, it could be success. It could be security. It could be family. It could be a legacy. Um, mm-hmm. What drives you? What, what gets you going? There, so there's a lot, I have a lot of drivers, um, more have added, been added over the years. One of the things is I didn't spend very long in the Navy and I did it because there's kind of a few reasons. One was I just didn't see it being a long-term career for me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I quickly understood that I just wasn't going to be a 20 year plus Navy guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so once I knew that I was like, every minute I spend doing Navy stuff instead of doing whatever I'm doing next, I'm basically stealing right. from the future, you know? And so I caught a lot of shit from some of my friends for getting out as early as I did, but some were very supportive, but you know, I did catch a lot of shit, but like the, the point is that like when, when that transition happened, I realized like some guys felt like I was, you know, giving up on, you know, their dream slash my dream. Right. Mm. But I wasn't, I just knew it wasn't for me long-term. And so I felt like the, the ethical thing to do for me would be work as hard as I could going forward in the future. And so now that I've had, you know, friends, you know, get killed in action and um, stuff like that, you know, a big motivator for me is, is becoming successful financially so I can give back, you know, so the kill cliff story is really a giving back story, right? That's, it's got a purpose driven, thing right and so but i that still drives me like so i just became an official ambassador for the navy seal foundation so that means i talk about uh you know i i try to bring them donors and all that stuff like i take it very seriously um so that's part of it and so i want to give back to that community that gave me so much that forged me into the guy i am today who i think is a pretty good guy so that that's a lot of it um i'm, I'm motivated by legacy right i'm yeah. like I don't want to just have a job, you know, I don't want to just, I want to build things that like last. And, you know, even if I'm not there, like I'm not at Killcliff anymore, but like, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, talks about Killcliff on his podcast all the time. Yeah. It's so cool. I was just going to say that. I wonder if you, if you had known that, if you're proud of that, that's gotta be, that's gotta be good for Killcliff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It is. And you know, what better spokesman, right? Like he's great. He really loves the product. So that's cool. I mean, he's been drinking it for years, right? Yeah. But he loves the CBD product kind of like really caught his attention. That's right. Um, So, so, you know, I want to build things that are, that are meaningful. Um, But most of all, you know, I think one thing that's really, um, I had an opportunity to get this kind of fellowship, which I, I actually was a finalist for and didn't get. So I'm not going to talk about it except for the fact I, for the fellowship, I had to like come up with like a, uh, like a, a model of things, a project I wanted to do that was like a give back, give back kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've really been mentoring a lot of guys that get out of the military and helping them find their next thing and helping them transition and giving them advice. And, you know, like a seal called me and he was like, Hey, I got these two businesses I want to run. And everybody tells me I got to focus on one. And I was like, do them both. And he's like, what? And I'm like, do them both. Don't listen to anybody else. Just do them both. And he called me back like a year later. And he's like, well, company A is doing like 20 million in revenue. And it was like a construction company. And yeah. company B had, like was, was a software company. And it was going to um, like get a contract with a you know, government agency or something like that. Yeah. It was a big deal. And it was, the product was built. I was like, do them both. And like, he was like, nobody else told me that except for you. And so like, I know the way why did, wired. Why did you tell him that? 
Well, because I do it all, right? I'm like, if I can yeah. do it, that guy can do it. He's like way cooler <laughs> than me. And, and and like the truth is, like like people put off opportunities because people tell them not to do the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody told me not to start TriServe. And thank yeah. God I didn't listen to that idiot. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, a huge company now, right? Like it's crushing it. And I did it on the side. I found a way to get it done and I built the company and now it's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so that money is important to me, not because I like, you know, pay my mortgage with it or whatever, but it helps me fund new businesses. Right. Yeah. So like in those new businesses will be the thing that helped drive that, you know, commitment to my community, you know, the Navy SEAL community, and then will help me, help these transitioning warfighters, you know, where I can. And so going back to the venture studio model, one of the concepts here is we'll hopefully get to the point where we have enough good businesses running where we can bring these guys in and mentor them on how to be business leaders. Because if you're, if you've been in the military for 15 years and you get out and even if you have a great degree a business school degree or 10 years for that matter, your, your peer is, if you go to like, you know, some New York city investment bank, the guy sitting next to you who just got his business degree is 10 years younger than you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're, you're going to have a really tough time keeping up to that, with that whippersnapper. He might be smart as shit and you might've gotten the job cause you got a Navy SEAL trident or, you know, a Ranger tab or a, you're an SF guy. Yeah. And so, so the point is that's what drives a lot of these guys in entrepreneurship is like to get out of the structure of, you know, the, the Byzantine structure of corporate America and drive forward faster. Right. Yeah. So yeah. a good example, one of my uh, close friends from the Navy I went through training with went to a giant corporation and I told him, I was like, listen, dude, you need, you need like a year or two there. And then you got to start looking for something else. And that, so he spent three years there and sure enough, like the Byzantine trap, like closed in on him. And like, in order to get the job he wanted, he had to go over here and then up. And that was like, that was a five year, like something. Wow thing to get there you know and i was like dude you're gonna waste another five years in a giant company like so you need your like three percent cost of living allowance increase so you can eventually <laughs> so you can eventually get to where you want to go like no no so i i you know helped him carve his new path and you know it wasn't like a it wasn't like an obvious thing but i started introducing him to some people and i told him i was like you're gonna do better and he's not the kind of guy that's gonna get start his own business but you're just gonna do better if you get in a more you know family operated business, not yeah. a corporation. Right. Yeah. And so I try to help guys like that. So if I can bring really qualified guys into an environment like we have here and I can team the military knuckle dragger like myself up with the McKinsey guy and, and I can get them to work together and build a company together, then we've solved so many problems in one fell swoop for that guy. Right. Wow. We've trained him on how to be an executive. We've trained him on how to be an entrepreneurial leader. We've, 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 prevented him from making all the dozens of mistakes he'll make as a, as a, you know, entrepreneur you know, always does, right? Not yeah, because yeah, yeah. him, because we all do. Um, and, and we, we helped him hold on to his equity and everything else longer and, and become part of a team again. And that's what these all, all these guys are searching for is, is, is you know, comrades. Yeah. Know? They want team, you know? Yeah, man. Lone wolf. It's the worst feeling. Yeah, it is. It's bad. Feeling. It's bad. Uh, okay. Well, what's amazing is you're clearly passionate about that. So I'm really excited to see. Yeah. You can't fake that. I'm, I'm excited to see what I, I, comes of this. I don't like to use the word passion. 
Okay. I like, I like, to, I like to say intense. Yeah. Very intense. You're very intense about that. Why do you choose? <laughs> why do you choose that word over passion? I don't know. Passion is like is like. Does that like, sound fleeting? It sounds like yeah. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like emotional. You know what I mean? Where intensity is more like I'm driven. You know, like not me, but like just saying one is driven to do something because you know, like there's a need to do it, right? You know what I mean? Not because I'm like. I like I'm infatuated with something. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Same I love deeper. that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I see that often passion seems to be associated with feeling it. And we know that you might feel it today and not feel it tomorrow. Is it kind of like right. that? Yeah. 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 And I mean, you gotta, you gotta attack some of these problems with a, with a level of intensity. That's what gets the mm-hmm. job done sometimes. Cause if you're not, if you're not like motivated to do it, you're not going to get it done. Right. Like, yeah. because there's a yeah. thousand things that are going to get in your way. There's so many things that are going to stop you. You know, before I forget this, I always tell everybody this story. So I'll tell you guys really quick. And you might have yeah, heard please. it in one of like another podcast that I've done. But like, it's kind of like people always say like, well, how'd you do this? You must be really motivated and all that stuff. Like, or, you know, there's not enough time or you can't build two companies at once or whatever. You know, like there's like so many excuses. And, and I, I you might've heard the story, but like, I think it was December 27th, 2012 at 4 a.m., well, it was like almost exactly 4 a.m. A big 90,000 pound poplar tree fell on my house Whoa. and landed on top of me and my wife in bed and uh, destroyed the house, cracked the foundation, all this crazy shit. And uh, we had a you know, gunner. My son was two, uh, 20 months old and or a little bit, you know, maybe he's 23 months. And my, my, um, my daughter was like three months or something like that. Jeez. And uh, my, my middle daughter. And, um, and so the, the tree literally came to rest over my body, like maybe like, you know, like that much and pinned my legs to the bed. All the crap came down, like pinned my legs. I was like sleeping on my side. And when I heard it starting, I like look up and I'm like, huh? And like a big, like kind of waterlogged piece of wood, like branch just like had broken off and just like clocked me in the head. And I was like, shit, you know, like that kind of woke hell. me up. You know what I mean? And it was, but it was kind of soft. It was like kind of like, the wood was like, it was a dead branch. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't like a baseball bat hard. It was more like, it was like getting hit by a, like somebody's arm real hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so <laughs> I like, I was like, holy shit, this is happening. A tree is falling through the roof right now. And it sounds like a freight train and I can see the moon. And, and my wife is screaming at this top of her lungs. And it was like, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, okay, my legs are still attached to me. The ceiling is now in my bed. The roof is now on my bed. The tree is now on my bed. Where are my kids? You know, what's going on? So my wife is losing it. I'm like, calm down. Be careful getting out of bed. And one of the branches like this big around, like literally pile drove itself, like kind of at an angle and just missed her and went to the basement. And then another branch, same size, pile drove itself into the front yard. And it, it went down about four feet in the front yard and cracked the foundation, the front side of the foundation of our house. And that saved my life. That had because it stopped the gone, tree, yeah. If it, if it had kept going, it would have just cut through the house like butter. And so, so anyway, like, wasn't, wasn't my time to die. My wife, we, we're walking out and you know, to the kitchen, and um, and we walk by my son's room, and it looks like there's a crib on the ground outside our room. There's just it's like a bomb went off, right? And so, I like, I go and I, you know, I just take her to the kitchen. I hurt her, her parents were there, her aunt was there, and her niece was were there. 
and it was like right after the holidays, right? And so I right. go and I, I, I get her situated. I go back to get my son because we don't know what happened. Whatever happened, I don't want her to see. I go in the room. One half of this room completely exploded, like gone. And then the side of the room he's in, like nothing happened. Weird, Whoa. Right? It was like weird. It was like, it was like, it was just like explosion, no explosion. Untouched. And so I grab him. I run out, drop him off with her. I go back to my daughter's room, which is a little bit closer to the kitchen. And her room is just completely untouched inside. So I grab her, take her out. And then I'm like, oh, man, great. And she's like, what about Milo? Our little 10-pound dog. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. Now, keep in mind, I'm in boxer shorts. And I'm running through, like, you know, construction debris, nails, yeah. all this stuff. Feet are just getting chopped up. So I cruise back into the bedroom, and I, I totally forgot about this little dog. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm looking at the bed, and I'm like, there's no way, you know, that the dog made it. Like, there's a, it's a debris pile, you know what I mean? And it's being held down by a 90,000-pound tree. But there's no way that the dog made it. And so I kind of am, like, walking slowly, like, freaking out. I'm like, oh, shit, Morris is going to lose it. And I, and I turn around the big branch that almost hit her. And the little guy's sitting right there like, uh, like a gravel <laughs> where he'd normally be all like, you know, ready to go. He just, he was like not having Crazy. it, but he was fully alive and fine. So that was good. Whoa. But, but the point is we were homeless. We had a 20 month old, a three month old. Um, and I had two startups and those two startups became, you know, Inc. 103, Inc. 121 companies. Wow. And, and now we got three kids. We had, a, we had another kid while we were homeless. It took 21 months to build a new house. So to build a new house, we had to move three times. Um, mm. one, of the house, one of the places we moved into got flooded. You know, it was like crazy. It was just like natural disasters were like chasing us around. And I, I had these startups. I had to raise money. I had to like get companies going. I hired people, all this stuff. So my point is there's just no excuse yeah. to not get shit done. There's no excuse. But yeah. sometimes it takes like a near-death experience like that to be like, whoa, man, I really, I'm lucky to be here. You know what I mean? And like, I got to cherish this suck that I'm enduring right now. I'm, I'm very happy for this shitty situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because it's, there are much worse situations. That, well, I think this pandemic place. has probably showed us all that. I know yeah. For, yeah. for us, we took a hit, which any other day would be like, dang, we took a hit. You know, like that yeah. wasn't, that wasn't the quarter we were expecting. But the fact that we still have a business that's alive in right. comparison to some people whose, whose work is completely shut down, you're like, all right, like I can handle this. I can, right. we can work through this. At least we have a business to grow uh, and survive this. So I totally get that. Uh, this is one question we'd like to ask because everybody sure. who's on this podcast obviously has a, a record of kicking ass. Uh, and if you're listening to this, it can sometimes be inspiring and then verge on discouraging because you feel like, oh, they don't have any problems, you know, uh, they've got everything figured out. And so one question I like to ask is, man, either across the companies you've started or you could pick one like the one you're doing now, what is a, a, an example of a consistent problem that, that you face that you still haven't figured out yet? You know, what are the things you haven't figured out yet? Oh, man, it's, it's hard to say that because I have you know, one thing that's always been tough, it can be tough is sales. You know what I mean? Like just yes. getting the revenue engine stoked. I think I've figured that out though. Like I've like, you know, because there's always the battle between inside sales, outside sales, all that stuff. Like I really like inside sales 
you know, with a little bit of outside sales instead of heavy outside sales. Um, because okay. heavy outside sales are really tough in a startup, right? Yes. So heavy, heavy, heavy outside sales will bankrupt the startup because you never get the sales you want as fast as you want. Right. Mm. So, um, the, uh, you know, or, you know, direct sales. Um, but you know, I think, you know, I have enough experience that I've solved a lot of challenges. Um, you know, there's always the random human factor that you can't completely prevent, but like I'm going to the point of like, you know, streamlining the way we do contracts. So like, as I start new companies, we follow the same format every time where there are no contracts. Huh. I don't want contracts anymore. Like contracts are just like, make it really tough to manage, you know, like you need additional resources to manage contracts for 10 companies. Right. Yeah. So like, it's kind of like no customer contracts, like stuff yeah. like that. Like, really figure out like it's one thing if if you do it like but if you could streamline 10 companies at the same time how much money could you save a lot right so that's like kind of like i'm really like you know i call it entrepreneurial engineering i actually stole that from another guy but uh who's a genius and um but like <laughs> it's this kind of entrepreneurial engineering where you like you do these things in a certain way because you're thinking long term about how it's going to turn out right Right. And, you know, so I, I wouldn't say there's, there's challenges I, I haven't been able to figure out yet. Um, Cause there's always a way to figure them out. And I've solved some pretty tough ones, pretty tough ones. Um, with that being said, nothing, nothing's coming to mind. If I think a while. What's I'll like the, what's the present one right now, then what's the one you're tackling? What do you mean? Right now? Uh, like a just a present problem that you're like going after right now, or I, I mean a present challenge would be challenge, like, yeah. I, I'm raising some yeah. money again, um, yeah. so it's kind of in a new format. So structuring that's a little bit tough. And what I find is if I just keep working the problem with my team, we'll figure out a way to do it, right? Yeah. So right. raising money isn't the challenge because I've done that before, and I'm confident we can do it again. It really comes down to. Um, uh, uh, it really kind of boils down to how do we like, how do we do this in a way where we remember the things that were challenging before and then streamline it going forward. So we don't have to keep dealing with that. So just raising money itself is a challenge, which is why I want to build profitable companies. So I can use our profits to build companies instead of continuously raising money. Yes. Now this, this money I'm raising now is kind of strategic because I'm going to take money from some, some folks I know that are strategic you know, to me that could bring me deals and bring me talent. So the first investor brought me like a chief revenue officer type guy who's out, like outstanding. Right. So it's like, you, like, are you getting, you know, are, are you able to use things like in multiple ways? Right. So that's the thing is like getting more clever with how you run business over time. So that's kind of where I am now is kind of just trying to figure out how do I really streamline resource for long term. Yeah. yeah. Maximizing resources, you know, maximizing yeah. them. I don't want to waste any money. I'm tired mm -hmm. of wasting money. That, and, and one thing, one thing I've learned, you know, just for your, your listeners is be really careful with venture capital, right? Not all businesses should raise venture capital. It's not like, think about the venture capital model. It's like, Hey, you know, we expect only two out of 10 of our investments to pan out less than 25% yeah. of our investments return one times the invested capital. Right. So you gotta be really careful. Like venture capital funds, like, you know, five year, 
um, you know, return is 11.97% according to PitchBook. So you gotta be really careful. Like, do you want to be part of a 11.97% portfolio? You know what I mean? Like, is that like right. what you're really aiming for? So you gotta be super careful um, with that. And, and sometimes it's just better to find money that's a little bit more flexible, pliable, and be profitable. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I heard, I, I was listening to a book by uh, Clayton Christensen called, uh, How Do You Want to Measure Your Life? And which yeah. is just, I'm like 30 minutes into this book. It's amazing. And, and, um, and so like he tells a story about like, you know, just putting more feathers on man-made wings doesn't make them fly. Right. And, and it's so, so true. Putting more capital into a business that doesn't need more capital, like more feathers on the wings doesn't make the business fly. Right. And, and venture capital so often just throws tons of money at things and they do it for a, they're trying to get that home run grand slam type effect. They're trying to, yep. you know, they're, they're, they're they're basically trying to get more control than they already have so they can control the next round. Right. But like throwing more money at things doesn't necessarily work. And there's a certain amount of time and cadence that are required for a business to kind of begin to ramp up to get its internal processes going and all that stuff that just more money is just going to be wasted. I always feel like, you know, two thirds of venture capital money and most of these startups I see has been wasted. Yeah. I don't want to waste any money. I heard a a marketing I heard a marketing genius say one time, um, if you're singing off key, singing louder doesn't help, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah, like, true. a lot of businesses are singing off key and there's, <laughs> they're like, let's put more money into that advertisement. It's like, that hasn't got you any results. Why are you putting more money into that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're singing the wrong yeah, song. Yeah. 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 Hiring is. more crappy salespeople that aren't delivering the results, you know, isn't going to help, right? Like you got, yeah. you got a sales team that's not selling today adding more of those people that can't sell isn't going to make you successful. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That is good. I, the, uh, the innovation too, the creativity that comes with limited resources is really, really powerful. And I learned that too. And I feel like that's something for you that you can tell that you've faced is like, Hey, we believe that any problem we face, we will solve. You know, that's like, I've faced a lot and we, we work through it. There's just a belief it will work through it. But some of that is that really helps with limited resources. You get chance to solve problems and you can get, you know, fat and lazy with the extra capital. Here's a, here's a little you know, venture capital story. I had an investor yeah. tell a venture capital investor tell me one time, he's like, you should really use this, uh, the software platform. It helps you manage like online influencers or whatever. I'm like, Oh, how much mm-hmm. is it? He's like, Oh, it's like 10 grand a month. It's like nothing. And I was like, what to save us like five minutes a day? Like that sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a solution searching for a problem. No, we're not going to spend 10 grand on it. It's nothing. And he goes, you're going to spend the 10 grand or I'll find a CEO who will. And oh I was my. Like, I was like, what? What the fuck? That's Shut perfect. Up. Yeah, man. Honestly, like, that's, that's oh. just killer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. so, all like, right. Uh, and, and he probably did. That's the, and that, you know, you probably yeah, did I mean, find it took him a while. I mean, it took him a while, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I put way too much trust in that guy. Uh, big mistake, but you know, yeah. and you know, he thought he was doing the right thing for our company, to be honest, he didn't know what he was doing. That's the thing is like, sometimes people, because they're, you know, well-educated and they have a big, you know, pool of money, think that they know more than the person running the business, which isn't necessarily the case. And, and that's, you know, you're always, you're still dealing with humans. So like one of the problems I've probably never been able to solve is um, people's bad behavior, 
right? Mm. So, so I try to avoid bad people first and foremost, yeah. but then I also, you know, try to avoid adding more and more people to my life and trying to like get rid of, you know, the ones that act bad. So, so the, the yeah. point is like limiting, you still have to let people in, right? Right. Yep. So right. It's, it's just one of those things you gotta be careful and, and, you know, believing that somebody because of their resume is awesome. Yeah. Is not, you know, not the right, not the right, uh, necessarily the, the right. Yeah. You know I mean? um, that's well, good. I, I love that, uh, that story because I think it brings us into our final five questions pretty well. Final five questions. Final five questions. Pow, pow, Lightning pow, pow. Round. Yeah. Lightning <laughs> round. I'm the final five questions, Alex. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know if it's like a great thing to celebrate or an embarrassing thing to like say, but we definitely are, are like every night Jeopardy watchers at this house, which okay. is just kind of a funny Not thing. Not at my house. Not at your house. We're, yeah, we're too dumb at my house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you're, like, you're watching Bubble Guppies. Right. That's yeah, right. Watch, <laughs> um, yeah, it didn't say I was any good at Jeopardy, but it is on. Um, but at least you can say you watch it. So final five questions, brother. Uh, mm -hmm. Number one, if you can ingrain one message into an organization, what would it be? Yeah, so culture is everything, right? And, you know, culture, like good culture is built around trust. Mm. and in listening you know and and so i think that like like you have to like work really hard to curate your culture like we we have it down to like a science like we you know i like the way we the way we host our internal meetings the way we do everything is very much like a process so we can make sure we're listening to everybody not because it's you know i'm trying to be touchy-feely or anything like that but everybody's got great ideas i want to hear them right yeah. if yeah. i just sit there and bullshit the whole time you know nobody gets a chance to say what they want and when people get a chance to talk not just once but on multiple occasions they feel you know satisfied that they got they they, they can't walk out and be like shit i didn't say what i wanted to say but yeah, you got yeah. two chances three plus chances to say whatever you wanted to yes. so don't like come running to my office afterwards telling me shit so yeah like i think that that culture of like trust and you know kind of you know transparency you now i hear some guys talk about like you know extreme you know uh, candor and you know transparency you know there's certain things you should be transparent about and certain things you shouldn't but but you got to build trust you got to be able to build a culture of trust and that way every people will tell you the truth uh you know not just what you want to hear yeah it's huge yeah that's gold well said uh, so this might, you may uh, duplicate an answer here, but what's the single best advice you've ever gotten growing your business and what's the worst? Yeah. So I, I actually, you know, I like good advice has been really hard to come by because um, I've been such a um, contrarian. Like I've done the opposite of what so many people have told me to do. Uh, so I don't have like a great like example that comes to mind of great advice I got to be honest, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um, with, with, with that being said, um, I, the guy who hired me, he, back in the day at United Rentals, he was like, Hey, here's your job. And here's what, here's what you're going to do here. These four things. And I, I, I knew I only knew how to do one of those. So like being the quick math guy that I am, <laughs> I, like, I don't know how to do 75%. Can I be successful guy. doing this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he, I was like, I don't know how to do 75% of that. And he, and all he said was, you'll figure it out. And he walked out. And I thought that was like an incredibly important moment yeah. in my life. And, you know, I was like, 
dude, this guy's like playing on a different level. Like he, he's willing to trust me to learn how to do this stuff on his dime. And sure enough, I figured it out. Right. Right. And, and, he, and like the, the, the point is like he trusted me and he gave me a chance and that was a huge thing. And, and, and so placing trust in something and uh, somebody that like where they might not be completely, uh, you know, like experienced or whatever, like sometimes you get better results. And I feel like I gave that guy the results he needed ultimately. Um, so that was, that was kind of not exactly advice, but it was a thing that like kind of had a huge impact on me. Bad advice. I had this board member sit me down, you know, and like tell me how I needed to have like, you know, weekly one-on-one -on -one sessions with all my direct reports. And I, and I was just in sponge mode. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, how do I do it? Like, how do you do it? You know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you do it like this. You know, when he kind of told me all this stuff and I was like, okay, cool. I'll try that. Well, what it turned into was first, it was me just, you know, it, it, these, these, like, I didn't find it to be a very productive. It took up, you know, five to seven hours of my week. Right. I had to prepare. They had to prepare. It caused friction. And then what it ended up turning into was they would just unload all their like feelings on me and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, and this guy is just complaining about this guy. And that actually ended up the way I changed all that was taking it to. So that was terrible advice. I shouldn't have done that. It's not in my nature to like sit here and talk to you and then talk to you and talk to you. It's like, like let's have a group discussion and solve this problem. Right. Yeah. yeah so that yeah. kind of formed the way I do my company meetings, my management meetings, where there's a lot of interaction between the team. It's kind of a, it's kind of like the weekly checkup twice a week with everybody, all the executives. And if we have any problems, we just solve them right there. Like people don't ever come in my office and like talk to me about a problem they're having with someone else. They say, Hey, we're having this problem with, you know, engineering and, you know, an engineering guy says, yeah, well, it's because of this. And then somebody, the marketing person's like, Hey, I know how to solve that. They're like, how the hell is a marketing person how to solve that? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like we're just me and you sitting here. I would never figure that out. Right. So it's like, yes. let's recruit. It's like CrossFit, like recruit all the muscle, you know what I mean? Yeah. By doing a yeah. lot of different stuff. So, um, so that was terrible advice. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that guy survives in business. It blows my mind. Um, sorry. Especially because you had to listen to feelings. We, we talked about earlier. You don't like those very much. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. I like feelings. I like feelings. Yes. It's important to have feelings. It's, yes. It's, it's important to be able to control your emotions though. For sure. And understand that like, Hey, I, I feel this emotion coming. I'm going to put some brakes on it right now. I'm not going to get upset about it. Yeah. I'm just going to solve the problem that's causing that emotion. Right. Yes. So it's not like I don't like emotions. It's just like, I know how to deal with them. I think. Yes. I was, I was kidding. But <laughs> I know, I know. I know. So uh, it's really important that I don't set a tone with, you know, people who might be coming up in business sure. and think that they can't be emotional in business. They can't, right? Yeah. Like it's important to have emotions and, and understand that everybody does. You can't shut them off, but you can slow them down or compartmentalize them, right? Yeah, you can so lead like them. A, yeah, lead. right. Yeah, yeah. Most of, us, most of us are led by our emotions instead of us leading our emotions, right? Right. Right. Uh, so I think that's, that's brilliant. Uh, all right. Number three, uh, being completely honest. What's the, what's the secret fear that would keep you up at night? Do you have a secret fear? So it's funny you ask that. So I'm always worried about like, 
I'm always able to find the way forward, right? I'm always, I can find a path forward in business. It's one of my, yeah, I can build a team. I can do a lot of stuff like, you know, they talk about entrepreneur superpowers. What's yours, right? Like finding the path forward when it looks like pretty bleak and you can't see, uh, I'm good at figuring that out. And, and yeah. sometimes like I'll go to bed at night and be like, I don't know how we're going to deal with this but I'm just going to go to bed and I'm confident I'll wake up in the morning and I'll know what it is. I'm afraid that I'll wake up one day and I won't know the path forward. And it's gone. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, shit. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. but, but I always kind of figure it out. So hopefully that'll keep working like that. Yeah. So um, you're afraid someone's going to slip some kryptonite under your pillow. <laughs> yeah. When you wake up, you don't know what happened. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Where did Superman go? Uh, number four, what the, what are the dream results that you're driving towards every day? Dream result. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. Um, I've been able to find a certain amount of balance in, in life where I'm very happy with the journey that I'm on. Like today, where I was a year ago, where I was five years ago, and it kind of keeps getting better. Um, I have a great relationship with my family. I've got a great relationship with the team I work with. I've got a mostly great relationship with investors. Um, you know, I've got, I had a few over the years that weren't great, but like mostly, you know, they like me, I like them. I can ask them for money again, that kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of finding that balance where you're not like going around ripping people's faces off, you know, so you can win. But like, so like if you have a bad day, your teammate can pick you up and, you know, be better. So it's kind of the dream result is have the success you want in business, yeah. to, you know, build the partnerships you want, um, give back to your community, whoever that might be. And, 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 you know, have that balance where you're actually present in the moment. There used to be a time where, and I'll never forget this. I, I, I would email employees and subordinates you know, after hours and it'd be like, Hey, we've we done this. We've we done that. You know, like, I just like pepper them constantly. And, and I, 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 and I, I used to have a few other seals who worked for me or worked with me, I should say. And I emailed a guy and it was like seven 30 or eight o'clock at night. And I was like, Hey, did you do this yet? And, uh, like, I forgot. I didn't know if you did it. And it was like, I didn't realize it at the time what an asshole thing it was to do. And he was like, <laughs> Hey, listen, asshole, I'm sitting here having a glass of wine with my wife. And he just ruined it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I never even thought about that. And I was like, okay. So I don't email anybody after 6.30 anymore. Um, yes. I rarely, rarely email people on the weekends. Um, like it can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I don't know if that, if that you have like explains it. You have the snooze feature? That thing has been like a life changer for me. The what? I can, uh, you can snooze your emails to send at a later date. So you can no. go ahead and write it when you want, but you can reset. So I use Spark to do it, but lots of email features. You can go ahead and write those things and they can show up at 8 a.m. Uh, or 9 a.m. whenever you want them to show up in the inbox. Uh, yeah, well, I also find that if I just wait and do yes. it tomorrow, that I, don't, I didn't need to do it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, or just... I, I didn't need to say it that way or, you know, I could be a little bit like, again, I can be intense. Right. So I can, yeah. I can like back it off a little bit. So, so that's anyway, awesome. balance is the key. That's the dream result where you can have the success you want without ripping anybody's face off and without treating your family like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a succinct way of putting it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Number five. 
Uh, final question. If you could hop in a DeLorean and go back for five seconds to your past, you're going to shout one thing to yourself from the driver window. When would you go back and what would you say? I would say don't trust invest investors like in venture capital. Yes. Be, because everybody's always selling, right? So everybody's telling you what, what they want to hear in order to get the deal done because yeah. they got the numbers to hit, right? So, and, and, and some people aren't necessarily like grounded in like, hey, if my word is my, you know, bond or my, you know, my honor, yeah. you know, like some people just are wired like that. They just, they're, they're, they're like kind of used car salesmen, right? So they'll tell you whatever you want to hear to get the deal done. And then when it comes time later, they'll use everything they can in the book to take advantage of the situation. So I would be very careful with investors. I would get, I would get um, references. I, I like, I, like, honestly, like I want to be able to give investors psychology, like, like psychological profile tests. Like yeah. I, I'd love to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause, cause like, honestly, like, like nothing, nothing ruins your dream faster than an investor who wants to take advantage of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Again, it ruins the team. It ruins the dream. It ruins, it can ruin everything. It can ruin, and, and a lot, most companies can't survive it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's a big and, deal. And, and if their, if their objectives are, Hey, I'm going to have two out of 10 of my deals work out and eight are going to die. Like you are not aligned with that guy. Right. Right. Be fucking careful. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's a numbers so game like, for that person. Yeah. Like where this is your one dream, cherish it, protect it. You know mm. what I mean? Just cause they have such a bigger check to write. Don't take it. Yeah. Yeah. Take, go scrape, scrape together little pieces of money. You know, sometimes they can help. Sometimes they're great. They're venture capitalists who are amazing people and they're wonderful, but not every startup needs venture capital. It's not the right fit. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing the, the mistake that you you've learned and luckily survived from is not one recognizing what a big deal it is to invite that relationship in to yep. your one thing. And then secondly, like we should be investigating them as much as they're investigating us, right? Like they're yeah. going to do, they're going to do their due diligence on the company they might invest in. But rarely does the company or the founder think to investigate, you know, yeah. them as much as besides their, their wallet. Like right. what's your character like? What's your track record like? You know, what, what, what do other people that have worked with you and taken money from you, what do they have to say about you? That right. should be like an equal investigation. Uh, right. Because it's hopefully a partnership. If not, it's a, it, it could be a detriment, right? Yeah. And just because somebody else referred that person to you, don't trust that either. You still got to mm -hmm. do your own due diligence. You can't just like be like, oh yeah, cool. He's cool. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. So th oh, those are some of the rookie mistakes I made early on. That's it. You survived, you, you, you survived the lightning round. Uh, Todd, man, this has been uh, really, really inspiring. Um, I, I you, you snuck up even a few more companies that I had no idea that you started and cracked the Inc. 5000 with. Um, so, man, thank you for taking time, taking time in the middle of this uh, crazy time that we're, we're in right now, uh, taking time in your busy schedule and sharing your wisdom with all of us. I learned a ton. Your honesty was refreshing. Your intensity, well, we're going to use that word, your intensity. Intensity. Uh, your intensity was uh, transferable. I'm feeling your intensity. Uh, your fire and I love it and man just honored honored you've been on the podcast like I said uh, you were you were the first name that we had and uh, man you're doing Atlanta proud 
uh, you're representing business well. And um, so, man, just thank you for all that you've done. Yeah, yeah honored to be here, guys. Thanks a lot. I'm Absolutely. grateful for the time. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Head to 0to5000.com for exclusive tools to grow your business. That's Z-E-R-O-T-O-5000.com.